Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Sunday Conversations here on the Cody Builds a Business podcast. Today's guest holds a special place in my heart. His name is Justin Wise. And Justin and I met at an event in uh, San Diego, as we talked about in the first couple seconds here. And we just really hit it off. Uh, Justin's a, a great friend of mine over the years. We have a similar business. We have a similar skill set. We have a similar approach on life and family and and, and kids and how we do business. And he's one of my favorite people. I just love talking to him. As you listen to this show, I'm curious your thoughts. If you think Justin and I should host a podcast together, uh, let me know because I've been bugging him about that. That I think that'd be really fun and funny. So I hope you enjoy this awesome conversation with Justin. We talk about the age of the guru being dead. We talk about being authentic. We talk about uh, a bunch of stuff. And I just love this chat. As you can tell, as you listen to some of these, like a lot of these are my friends and they're people that I've met along the way. And Justin is definitely one of those. We have a great, uh, great chemistry and I can't wait for you to check it out. So I won't keep you from that any longer. Enjoy this quick chat with Justin Wise from Think Digital. Want to know what it really takes to build a thriving, profitable business from the ground up? Hey, I'm your host, Cody Birch, and this is the Cody Builds a Business Podcast. Your unfiltered front row seat to watching me build a seven-figure online business from scratch or die trying. Let's get started. All right, we now welcome to the Cody Builds a Business Podcast, my friend, Justin Wise. Justin, what's up, man? I am talking to Cody of Cody Builds a Business. Amazing. <laughs> Hey man, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. We met uh, about two years ago, I think, at a, at an event. We were in help me out, San Diego. It was somewhere sunny. We were in San Diego. Yep. Yeah, we were at an event at a Nicholas Kuzmich Facebook ads event, and uh, we really hit it off. Uh, I thought that's my perspective, at least. You may disagree, <laughs> and you've uh, and you've resented me for two years. That's right. <laughs> but we've stayed in touch over the years and just kind of follow each other's or follow your business at least, and just kind of follow your journey. And we chat every now and then. And I'm really excited that you finally took the time to uh, to come on the show and have a conversation about building businesses. Hey man, let's just let it all out. Let it all hang out. <laughs> so I, I want to start some, with something you said right before we hit record. We were talking about podcasting and thought leadership and what our experience has been because you have a podcast as well. I'll link it up in the show notes. And you said something that gave me pause and made me hit the record button so we could talk about it on the, on the show. We we're talking about gurus and you said something interesting about the age of gurus being dead in your opinion. So tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, do I think people will always uh, gravitate naturally towards those who are perceived as as more advanced, as different level, as having all the answers? Sure. I think that will always be the case in life, period. Not necessarily because of anything people are doing. It's just human nature. Now, in the world that you and I live in, when I say that, what I mean is gurus, at least for me, the way that I perceive gurus is they have it all together. They know all the answers. They never make mistakes. They uh, are, are without fault and blame. And it's always the same story. I used to be this, now I'm this, and I never have any issues. And my clothes are always clean. My bed's always made, and I never have any cabinets. That's what I mean. That is gone. That is dead. It's dying. No one believes those people. Uh, and, you know, part of my... Um, my uh, philosophy on this comes from my previous life as a pastor. So did, I ever, did, you, did you know that, that I worked at a church, Cody? I did, yeah. All, uh, my, I'm, all my good friends are at former pastors. I only have hang out with people who used to be pastors. <laughs> well, I mean, that was a very big uh, piece of my professional and personal puzzle. 
And what I learned there was like, people are people, man. You know, it's like billionaires and broke folks, they're all the same. They just have more zeros attached to their, to their name. That's it. People have hangups, people have faults, they have foibles. And I think the guru who can admit that, you know, uh, comes down from the ivory tower. This is why I like your podcast so much because it's just, hey, this is what I'm trying. This is what I'm going after. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. Um, and so I think having to have this front or this this act that you have it all together and you have all the answers, man, it's it's broke. I remember when I started to get some momentum on the podcast, I would screenshot it so people that were rooting for me could follow along because there's really not very robust metrics in the platform that I use. So I would just track downloads. And then the reality was I had, um, I would screenshot the downloads. Hey, I got a thousand downloads. Cool. And, but what I would do, I looked back at my, uh, I was trying to look back and see how fast it was all going. I would crop out the number of downloads per episode because I was embarrassed about it. It was like yeah. 19 and then it was 22 and then it was 31 and then it was 42. I thought, well, I don't want to come across like I've, I'm so, I want to come across like I've got this great, awesome, amazing podcast that's just catching on like wildfire. And so I cropped out before I posted to Facebook that it wasn't getting actually a lot of downloads per episode. Now I just own it. And that's been way more fun. And yeah. uh, I tell the story sometimes too. Christy, my wife was on the show and she's like, what do I say? It's like, well, just say whatever you want. Cause there's not like a right way I want you to come across. I just want you to be yourself. And there's no, well, never say this and make sure you don't say that. Like, no, just say whatever we're chatting about. And let's just have a talk about it and yeah. be, I think the word authentic is a little overused, but that's, I don't know a better word than that. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Of just being more, being more real, being more transparent? Yeah. I mean, for, for sure. I know that that's what I gravitate towards. Um, I think that's why people listen to your show and you know, what people have to realize though, is that comes at a price. So being authentic, being tra transparent, being truthful and honest, it comes at a price. And what I mean is when you knock your own veneer off and you say, Hey, I got, let's just use the example that you gave. Let's say uh, my show got a hundred downloads. When you knock that veneer off and you, you, I, I don't want to say out yourself, but when you, are candid and transparent with people, you know, depending on how people perceive you, uh, it can sometimes, um, what's the word? It can knock you down a few pegs in someone else's eyes hmm. because they perceive you as like, and I mean, I get this all the time. It's like they have this assumption of you and some of it may be of your own crafting. Some of it is just stuff you can't help how people perceive you but they have this perception of you that you're other, that you're somehow levels and, and, you know, miles ahead of where they're at. And while that may be true in some cases, it's certainly not true in most cases. Uh, and so that leveling the playing field of your own accord can sometimes change and alter how people perceive you. And it takes a strong person. Uh, Brene Brown talks about this. It takes a strong person to, to be transparent, what her word is vulnerable, that requires strength. Uh, and, and so the person who can do that, I think is strong. And when you see gurus, a lot of the times, what they're doing is basing their identity on a false persona. They're, it's not real, it's not who they are. And so they've built up this, again, persona, uh, and it doesn't match who they are as people. So hmm. they can play a part, right? 
they can play a part and they can uh, do the charade, but it's not who they really are. And it's actually what they're most afraid of is having that persona revealed. Hmm. What about the other end of that spectrum? I've heard some speakers and thinkers and people that have had some success and they say that the key to all this, so some people, maybe it's, I don't know if it's a type of person or an era of marketing and presenting yourself forward facing on social media, like we always want to put the best stuff out there. Maybe that era is what you're talking about is going away where that's inauthentic. It's not how they really are. And the, the people that are winning right now are the people who are showing that their bed's not always made and their clothes aren't always ironed and stuff like that. Uh, the other end of the spectrum to me is people who are just always nonstop super vulnerable. Like they just talk about the worst part of their day every day. And I got thrown up on and I had to change the baby's diaper and I got poop on my shirt and then my had a flat tire. And you're like, at some point, and I'm speaking uh, in a superlative way about like the overdoing of the vulnerability. But have you seen that? Have you, have you seen that number one? And number two, like, where does that play into this? Like what's the happy medium? Yeah. I mean, I, we used to call that in, in the church world, uh, bleeding all over someone. <laughs> Henry Nowen has this great book called The Wounded Healer. And basically the gist of it is, um, you know, to, to, to uh, you're going to go through and you're going to get injuries, you're going to get scars, you're going to get hurt, you're going to get, uh, people are going to do bad things to you. It's going to be painful. Um, and it's going to take a toll on your innermost being, your soul, right? And the goal of uh, being a wounded healer, so to speak, is to let those wounds heal and then show people, hey, I've been through what you're going through. Let me tell you how it gets better. And I think what, what you have in the over-transparent world is folks who are still bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Their wounds have not been healed. And they're still bleeding. Like, They'll say that my wife and I will sit uh, after the kids go to bed and, you know, going through stuff for the day and we'll see stuff on Facebook. And it's like, you, sweetheart, you, you, you should not be putting this out on Facebook for the world to see, uh, you know, talking about some person, obviously not my wife, but we'll look at this and be like, man, that, that person clearly needs something for them to share that level of, uh, intimacy into their lives. I remember one example we had was um, someone was talking about a fight that they had with their spouse and it was just super uncomfortable in terms of the level of detail. And they post this on Facebook. You know, it's like, this is not a, this is not a kitchen table conversation you're having here. This is the, the world can see this. Yeah. Uh, and so to bring it home kind of to the world that you and I live in, there's absolutely folks who I think go over the line and they, they share too much. And the, the reason when I say share too much, it doesn't help anyone out of the predicament they're in. And I, you asked what the happy medium is. And to me, the happy medium is, hey, I've been through what you're going through. I've, I've, I've faced that test. Here's what it was like for me. And here's what I did to change circumstance to get out of the situation to accomplish what it is that I set out to do. So the person who's in that position can, you know, take the ladder rope that you're giving them and, and pull themselves out of the hole. That to me is the happy medium. Yeah. That's interesting. That distinction is important of watching the people, like you said, that are still bleeding. And for me, I'll see somebody, they'll be in like a click funnels group and they're like, see you all out there with the Lamborghinis and the McLarens. But listen, 
I rock a Camry and I love it. And, and, and that's okay. Like no judgment. I also don't, you know, I also don't have a Lamborghini, but they haven't appeared to have figured anything out. They're just kind of bragging about that. They're not where they want to be in life. And they're, I guess they're, the distinction is they're missing that part about I've been there and I figured it out and here's where I'm, here's how I got through it. And here's what I learned along the way that may save you some time and effort and money along the way. I think that's what, the, I guess that's the distinction. Or like, you know, what you, what you might even want to say, to either side of the of the of the aisle, the Camry or the Lamborghini is. Do you actually need to post this? <laughs> is, is this is this necessary? Do you actually need to post it? And when you, and I would argue that there are two sides of the same coin. So someone who's posting, hey, here's my Lamborghini, or someone who's posting, hey, here's my Camry. It's all about identity. It's all about there's some component of identity that is not. That, that is needing affirmation in either one of those categories. Uh, the Lamborghini being, hey, look at me, aren't I great? Don't I do good work? The Camry being, um, you know, I'm still, I'm proud of who I am and uh, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to get there. It's still fundamentally about who they are. And so the question that I would, I would encourage people to ask as I ask this myself, almost every time I post is, is this necessary? And for the times that I blow it, I have a built-in filter, a really good wife who will say to me, you need to take that down. <laughs> I'm sure you do too. I'm sure Christy has said that to you or, or at least has wanted to say that to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I've got an idea for an invention. It's a private, uh, it's a private like Facebook. Maybe it's you, me, a couple of our friends, and we can post it to each other privately because, uh, and then we can tell each other like, Hey, that's not a very, it's hilarious and not a wise thing to put out public facing, but we got to get it out of our system. And um, yes. yeah, maybe that's a write it down or like one of my favorite tricks is to write it and publish it, but I only have the privacy t uh, listed as me. So I'm the only one who can see it. Yeah. Uh, but there's like some psychological, um, you know, release of right. actually posting it to Facebook. Right. Uh, Twitter, if you want to see me get in trouble, where I get in trouble most, go to, follow, go to my Twitter account. That's easily where I get in the most trouble because my wife's not on Twitter. And so I post stuff and uh, <laughs> there's mo lots of times where I post stuff that I probably shouldn't. But uh, so all this that I'm talking to you about, like this is based out of hard won experience. And when I do look at the stuff that I've posted that I wish I wouldn't have posted, um, I know we're talking about much bigger you know, category or, or I suppose concept than just posting on social media, but it's right. a way to explain the manifestation. I see areas in my life that needed love and tenderness when I've posted stuff that I shouldn't or regret posting. I can yeah. see it now. Hmm. Um, and I could see, oh, wow, clearly I'm looking for validation here. Clearly I'm upset about something that happened. Clearly I'm feeling like, uh, you know, I'm not living up to the expectations I have for myself or the expectations that others have for me. So it's, it's just really fascinating. Hmm. Yeah, it's good. And Facebook is so polite to remind us something we said six years ago, 10 years ago, and you look back and go, oh, I was a different person back then. Completely different. Totally. Awesome. Well, hey, I kind of skipped uh, the the intro, the actual introduction of exactly who you are and what you're up to. So for those of you who don't uh, follow you on Twitter and, and uh, listen to your podcast, take a minute and explain what Think Digital is, how you came about that, who does it serve, stuff like that. Think Digital at its heart is marketing consultant. Uh, 
that's what we do. That's what it started out as. And then uh, back in 2014, and then somewhere around 2016, we morphed into a digital agency. I know you and I have had many conversations about this, Tony. <laughs> but long story short, the, the agency um, was going pretty strong for two years. And, and when I say agency, what I mean is we basically, you know, uh, did paid traffic for people, Facebook ads, uh, social media content, email marketing. Uh, we did commercials at one point. We produced TV spots. We did uh, print magazines. I mean, you name it and we would do it for people. Huh. And somewhere along the lines, uh, I would say probably beginning part of 2018, I just, I took a step back and realized like, this is miserable. <laughs> this is not enjoyable. I don't like this. Uh, we're making money. Sure. And had a team. Yeah. But me personally, I was not enjoying life. I was working way too much was not feeling fulfilled personally. Um, and so middle part of 2018 started to make a change uh, and just getting back to the roots of the company, which is, you know, marketing consulting. And the way that has, the way that plays out for us is through programs and courses. Um, and so right now we have two awesome programs, sell, uh, sales for online service providers and borrow my agency. Both of those are geared towards helping folks like you and me who earn their dollars and cents online to generate leads for themselves. Uh, because, you know, we're, we are at one point in control for of over $2 million in ad spend. Some people that's not a lot. Some people that's like, Oh my goodness, that sounds like, you know, Scrooge McDuck type money. Um, but you learn stuff when you oversee that amount of ad spend. And so we took the best lessons from the agency, packaged them into programs and courses. And so now that's what we do as of today. Uh, and really just feeling like we're hitting our rhythm again. So it's it's a long way of saying started out one way. I don't want to say got diverted, but I think uh, my vision got clouded as it so easily does by dollars and cents. Um, so, so when you had that kind of wake up call in the January or about a year ago, I guess, like early 2018, what exactly was it that was making you feel miserable? Was it the client management piece of the expectations of clients being misaligned with how you help them? I know I've experienced that. Was it the team management stuff of the drama of managing a team and the relationships of what that's like? Both of those, neither of those, something else. What, what actually was really starting to get at you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will tell you like the first crack, first couple cracks came from uh, a few instances with clients where we were producing like results and not just results, but some clients were just crushing it. You can't crush it with every client, but there were, there's a few cases that I remember where we were just like smashing it and clients were still unhappy. Um, and I, you know, I want to respect confidence and all that kind of stuff, but suffice to say when that started happening, it, it, it was like the tip of the iceberg yeah. because what I realized was, yeah, you can produce results for people, but at least for an agency, there's just so much more that you have to take into account besides just, hey, we got you cheap leads and we're producing revenue for you. And I overlooked that. And so that took changing our culture, which took changing 
the team. And that was probably one of the most painful professional experiences of my life. Because when you operate in a certain way, you know, I don't remember who said this, but in, in, in companies, big and small, it can take years to turn a culture around. Five to seven years is, is, the, is the actual statistic, but with a smaller business that can obviously happen in a shorter amount of time. And I realized like, I don't have the energy to turn the culture around and really address what clients are asking for, which ultimately at the end of the day was results, yes, but more importantly was like, how do they feel when they're interacting with us? And at that point, you know, I was not really doing any sort of interaction day to day with clients and uh, had not trained, trained my team well to do that. We were so focused on just results, 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 which is good, but it came at the cost of when we were charging what we were charging, people expected a, a, a white glove experience that we just weren't giving them. And so turning that train around, it just took more energy than I had. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about, I have, I've had a similar journey. Yours, I'm picturing kind of like a reverse bell curve or whatever, like it started out clear and then it took a, a dip in, I don't know, vision or alignment or something. Then you, you're back there now, which is, which is fantastic. And thank you for sharing everything that you shared there in that. However, like you said, you learned some important lessons. What was the, what was the something that was really great about all that? Was it a great position or a great hire or a great team member that came out of that, uh, that misalignment of the vision? If that makes sense. No, I got you, man. And I would say I I did my yearly review early January of 2019. And one of the, the, the format I used basically said, what was the biggest lesson from the past year? And what I wrote was I learned beyond a shadow of a doubt what I enjoy doing, what type of business I want to build. And I think, I don't think enough business owners ask that question. Um, we're trained, and I think that we're trained well to ask, what does the market want? But I actually think the more important question, a foundational question, the starting point question is, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? What do I want to get up every day and do? And then it's a question of what does the market need? And you find the, the, the marriage between those two questions. But I had, I had really, um, I don't want to say, well, yeah, neglected that fundamental foundational question to my own peril. Uh, and I think you could definitely be too focused on that question alone, which is what do I want to do? I think the danger can be, hey, you don't want to go too far in that direction, but what I see in talking with agency owners and talking with online service providers day in, day out, not enough of them are asking the question, not just what do I want to do, but what type of business do I want? I don't just have to build the business that people are telling me to build. I can build a business that, you know, complements my lifestyle, that supports my lifestyle. And I, and I wasn't doing that with the agency because, again, the money was good. And that's just that's a lousy way. At least for me, it's a lousy way to live a life. So if I were to boil it down, I would say that was by far the biggest lesson is really understanding who I am as a person, what I enjoy, what I don't enjoy, and then making decisions based off that, uh, you know, in tandem with what does the market need and want. Yeah. 
I uh, recorded a podcast recently where I was talking about how to splinter your offer. And I think it could be a useful example here as well. So if you have a core service, like let's say it's running Facebook ads, when it comes to running Facebook ads, you do lots of things. You might set up custom audiences. You might analyze their ad account, make sure their pixels are placed, make sure their funnel is optimized and converting it a way that they're happy. Make sure their autoresponders there at the back end. Make sure you can track all the conversions throughout the whole process. Uh, warm audiences, cold audiences, retargeting audiences, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of stuff. So if you were to take out a sheet of paper and just draw a big circle around all that stuff, then you can start to categorize some of those things and go, well, I could do these three things for a yes. hundred bucks or do this one thing for free. You know, I can set up their audiences for free via a YouTube video on how to set up, you know, what audiences are necessary for an ad campaign. Well, what you could do, it just kind of dawned on me is you could do the same thing for your job of like the deliverables of the thing that you've decided to do. Assuming lots of entrepreneurs listen to this show is well, what is, what are all these components and just write them all out. Well, I have to do all of these things in a day to have this model that I like. And if you have 10 or 20 or 50 or whatever, how many agency clients you had, there's a lot of things on that list that you would probably kind of cross through with a red line and go, I don't like a lot of these things, but I sure do like these couple things. I like the strategy. I don't want to assume what it is for you, but that's what it is for me. And actually why I started this whole podcast, which is not about my agency. It's about me winding down the agency and spooling up my, uh, I was going to say guru business, but 20 minutes ago you said the guru <laughs> dead. So um, it's uh, it's that as well. What is, is that a similar process to what you went through to go, wait, there's all these things I'm doing and I don't like some of these things and I want to do just the things that I like. How do you come to that? If other people are listening, like, well, how the heck did you do that? Justin, where'd you get there? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the process that you outlined is very similar to the one I use. This came to me through uh, our amazing copywriter, Sarah. She's like, Hey, <laughs> she's like, you are not well. <laughs> 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 here's here's what I want you to do. She's like, just write down. This is literally what I did. She's like, write down for two weeks what you hate about your business. Every day, write something. It, it can be one sentence. It can be eight pages. Just write out what you don't like about your business. Uh, so I did that. Then she's like, now go find 15 people who you either know personally or can tell from the outside, absolutely love their business. So I did that. Then she's like, now go ask them these questions. And the questions were basically like, hey, what do you love about your business? What's the best part about your business? What do you enjoy most about your business? Um, so I did that. And then, you know, when you do the two weeks of saying, this is what I don't like, when you interview people who do love what they do and love their business, not just the, 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 uh, what's the word? Not just the function of their business, but the form of their business. You naturally start to percolate ideas about what you, what you want your business to look like. And so then it was simply documenting what it is that I wanted my business to look like. So for me, that meant, hey, I want a ton of flexibility. Uh, you know, I don't want, I, I'm a one and done type guy, meaning, you know, the, the, ongoing month to month relational uh what's the word the, the 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 upkeep the relational upkeep of an agency was just it was too much i couldn't handle it yeah um you know unlimited growth scalable tr truly scalable uh that was the one thing i learned about the agency is it's not really scalable yeah you can hire more people but there you know, unless you want to be a massive agency, which I didn't want to, I didn't want to have a massive agency. 
you will naturally reach a limit. So all these amazing things came out of that exercise where I got pretty darn clear on what I wanted from a business that I was going to run and be a part of. And in the months since I've done that, we are well on track to finally having a business that I am comfortable with, that I enjoy. Uh, I know that sounds so crazy. Hopefully someone listening to this knows exactly what I'm talking about. But you know, I'd started this business and I didn't like it anymore. I didn't even want to do it. Hmm. Um, and so now, thankfully, that by and large is totally gone. Uh, that feeling of dread. Um, and, you know, still waiting for revenue to catch up a little bit. <laughs> but, but, you know, you go into that knowing as an entrepreneur, like, hey, this is a risk. This is different than what I was doing. And there's risk involved with this. But I believe in my abilities. I believe in what I know. I believe in the people I've surrounded myself with. And so it's, it's not a question for me of, is this going to work? It's just a question of, what can I do today to make this vision more complete, clear, and move it just a little bit further down the line? That's it. One of the things I noticed in my business in 2018 is I experienced slight revenue growth over 2017. However, I had spent more. I haven't finished my taxes yet, but I'm assuming my net is going to be a little bit less. And in the business that we're in, yes, it is... Um, there's no reason I couldn't have doubled my business. There's no like mathematical reason to say, well, of course you couldn't have doubled your business. Like, yes, I totally could have. There's no reason I, I, I didn't do it. And I don't know why. So I thought I would, you know, two X, five X, 10 X my business. And it was like, you know, 0.7. I mean, it was like 7% growth, something like that. Um, and so what I found was I wasn't being super, as productive. I don't know if I was like self-sabotaging where I wasn't trying to grow this new thing that I'm really passionate about. And so I'd find myself hunched over at my laptop on Thanksgiving day, writing black Friday ads for agency clients going, is this what I thought it would be? Like, is this how I wanted this whole thing to turn out? You know, where I I'm on holiday with my family and my kids are like, can we go throw the football? Like, hold on. I've only got 11 more ad accounts to update before black Friday. Yeah. Um, and, and in that moment, those moments you're like, this isn't what I thought it would be. But while I was doing that, like confession time, the business didn't really grow and I wasn't honoring the vision that I said was important, which was this one hour funnel stuff and this Cody builds a business stuff and the content and the creation and live events and all those wonderful things that are coming in 2019. Um, why did I do that? <laughs> like, like I'm trying to think of what the question is here. Like, cause, cause you, you said some of the similar things. You're like, I had the agency thing and it was all kind of flat and it was kind of stressful. I didn't like who I was. I didn't like what it was becoming. And you never said you didn't like who you were. I'm sure you never fell out of love with yourself, but um, I'm putting words in your mouth, but like there's something else there. There was something like nagging at you that you talked about it kind of like the alignment of vision. It got clouded. And, and that's how I feel like I really relate to going through that. I think a lot of people relate to that too. There's some reason you're in the business that you're in and then something sidetracks it for whatever reason, or you're not, I, I don't know what the case is for me. You know, again, is it sabotage or lack of productivity or lack of focus where clients businesses are growing great. And I had some that were still kind of ungrateful. Hey, three to one ROI is good. I thought we said four to one. You're like, really? When I took it over, it was one to one. Like you want, I tripled it and you're not happy. Like we have a similar, we have a super similar story and a journey there. I guess what I'm, I don't know, you can say whatever you want to that. It's not really a question, but like, how do you navigate that now? And I guess honor this other vision of like, no, this is not what I wanted. It's not what I thought it would be and function as a human. I don't know. Well, I mean, the reality is I think at some point every entrepreneur goes through this on some level. Um, and I, I think the key distinction for me 
and as I was listening to you kind of describe your experience, uh, you know, I, I obviously recognize elements there that I was feeling, but to me, you know, business is hard. Entrepreneurship is hard. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what Facebook ad you see out there that says, oh, I was broke and then I made a bajillion dollars and all I did was, you know, uh, drop ship cheap crap from China into unsuspecting victims' mailboxes or whatever. Not that I'm, not that I'm bitter. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think what business is hard, right? But what needs to be there that wasn't there for me was the energy to push through the difficult seasons. Whereas I can, I can tell you right now, you know, honoring the original vision of this business of Think Digital, there's energy for me when like it breaks, sorry. There's energy there. There's energy there when people are like, hey, I, I, you know, where's my login for this, uh, you know, this course or program. There's energy for me when something breaks in Infusionsoft. There's energy for me there where, hey, revenue's got to pick up. There's energy there. There's not a, a, a despair. There's not a, a disdain. Whereas I think before, there was, there was no energy. It was just sheer force of will. And um, you can only do that for so long before you burn out. And, and that's, that was a real, that, that was actually what was happening. Uh, you know, I'll spare you the gory details, but had just some really kind, good people in my life basically say, hey, we're, we're concerned about you. <laughs> we have concerns about you. And I didn't realize it, but it was the symptoms of burnout, not just like, hey, you might burn out someday, like you're, you're burning out in front of our faces. Yeah. Because um, that energy wasn't there, that spark wasn't there. Whereas I can tell you very much like, man, it, I am pumped to get in my inbox at the beginning of every day now because I'm solving people's problems. I'm putting forth a product that I have never ever been prouder about in my entire life. That's energizing, that's life giving. Uh, was there a trade-off? Sure. Was there bumps and hurdles? Sure. Are we out of the woods yet? No, we're not. Um, but I think the key distinction for me and kind of what I heard you saying too was that is looking for that energy. Where's that energy? Is the energy there around what it is that you're doing day to day to push you through the struggles? That's a key distinction factor for me. Yeah, the book, uh, the, the Subtle Art book from Mark Manson, he talks about that there is no way to avoid pain. Like, so for example, if you quit your job, you're like, I don't like my job. My job is annoying and there's pain in my job. If, I, if only I were on my own, there would be no pain, which of course isn't true. There's just different pain or what I think he calls in the book, or maybe I've added this own spin to it. It's the pain worth enduring. Like if you want to lose weight and go, well, man, if I just had a six pack, there'd be no pain. I would just feel great. I'd take my shirt off at the pool. I would feel amazing. But then what you're trading is the pain of being in the gym for two hours a day and measuring your macronutrients on a food scale. And it's annoying to go out to eat with those people. And, and I, I did that for a season. So it's just new pain. It's just pain worth enduring. And so you're not like out of the woods. You're just finding, and pain's probably the wrong word for how you just described that, but those challenges and the difficulties of business is just worth it because it's this like righteous thing that you're pumped up about. Is that is that fair? Absolutely. It's just what... It's uh, enjoying the journey and not the destination. I know that's cliche and cheesy. And I always thought that was a load of crap. I really did. Um, yeah. But now having been on the other side of it, 
where I was cherishing the destination more than the journey, I can absolutely tell you that's factual, is enjoying the journey and the pains and the bumps and the hurdles um, because that's where you need that to survive. You need that to sustain yourself and others through the process. Um, So I think absolutely that's accurate saying what pain you're going to have pain on some level. It's part of the human experience. What pain am I willing to tolerate? Uh, As I stand right now, I look out my, my window and I can see there's a bunch of insurance companies downtown here in Des Moines. And uh, the people, I'm not dogging on insurance companies. I'm not dogging on even if you work in a cubicle, but I can tell you after seeing these folks day in and day out, most of them are not fulfilled working in a cubicle in an insurance company. Okay. But there's, I don't know everybody's situation, but I would say the majority of them are saying the pain that I'm willing to endure is you know, showing up to work every day and getting a paycheck. Now, they may someday, some way, shape, or form, they may say, the pain that I'm willing to endure is forsaking this safe, quote unquote, safe paycheck, even though they're laying off people left and right, it seems like every month. Um, The pain I'm willing to endure is letting go of this paycheck and starting my own thing. Two sources of pain, it just, just comes down to what are you willing to endure, like you said. Yeah. Awesome stuff, man. Well, I love doing these interviews and these conversations because I never know where they're going to go. And just like this one, I really enjoyed it. And so thank you for being so generous with your time and your wisdom and your several steps ahead of me. And, and, and you've kind of even like throughout the last couple of years, we've been staying in touch. You've, whether you know it or not, you've been influencing me to make better decisions and function with more wisdom and less pain as I grew my agency and then kind of pumped the brakes on the agency. So thanks for what that's meant for my life and my family and my, and my clients. And now you're still a little bit ahead of me and with the course creation and stuff too. So kudos to you for getting really clear on your vision for living that, uh, living what, you know, making the thing that you wanted it to look like and honoring that as well. So, uh, last question is where can people go to follow along your journey as you're reinventing yourself and, and, and moving forward in 2019 and beyond? I think probably easiest every, everything lives on thinkdigital.co. You can listen to the podcast there. You can, uh, sign up for, uh, borrow my agency. You can see all the other stuff that we're up to. So thinkdigital.co. Cool. I'll put links to the, all of that stuff in the show notes. You also mentioned your Twitter feed. I want to see what kind of trouble you're getting into on social media. So I'm going to follow you there as well. Uh, but thanks again, Justin, man. I really appreciate you. It's been a lot to have you on the show today and I wish you well, my friend. Yeah, Cody. Thanks, man.